Hey everybody, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to the Daily Evolver. It's Thursday, November 16th. It's uh, a week from Thanksgiving and I am thankful to be here and thankful to be here with Corey DeVos of Integral Live. Hey Corey. Hey buddy, how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? Good, I'm, you know, evolving incrementally, you might yeah. say in a daily fashion. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and that's what I want to do again here today. Um, I want to note that this is the last week before the holidays kick in, and we are going to take next week off. Uh, so we will be back here on Monday the 27th for another week, Monday through Thursday, of live episodes. So, yeah, so <clears throat> daily evolving. And what I want to do is, you know, look at... <clears throat> Well, just as in a general sense, look at our lives uh, as much as possible with an integral sensibility. That is, turn up the Google map and see more of what's actually there. See the textures, see the details uh, of what's really happening. And what is coming up is Thanksgiving. And, um, and so we want to sort of look at it using this bigger context, liberating it, if you will, into this bigger context. And so the first thing I'd notice if I bring an integral lens to Thanksgiving as part of my integral Thanksgiving practice is that it is a deep structure of the human, uh, structure, of the human psyche. It represents the, the um, harvest festival, which is a collective structure it's an individual structure, and all cultures in all times and spaces have celebrated these yearly cycles. And to the degree that they're far enough from the equator <laughs> to notice, they generally cluster around the two solstices and the two equinoxes. And so this is that for us here in America, this Thanksgiving is a harvest festival. And we want to feel that. We want to feel this gathering of the year's work, you know, stopping, pausing, noticing, appreciating, containing, appreciating our gifts, being grateful for what we've been given. And, you know, that's another sort of way we can look at this is what is this thing called gratitude? And it is a time-honored practice of spiritual growth, uh, of vertical development in the spiritual line, to practice the act of gratitude. And you just want to notice it. I mean, I, I notice it here in my own body in, in this moment that when I think about my gratitude for just for being here, right here in this moment, it's, a, it's an energy moving out. It's not a contraction of the Jeff contraction. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it sort of begs the question, who are we grateful to? Uh, what are we grateful for? And, you know, it is itself a force field. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But I, I wanted to just sort of work with this sort of, 
you know, deeper structures and notice that, okay, here in America, I noticed that there's Thanksgiving feasts and harvest feasts all over the world, Europe and so forth. So you all have your version of it. But here in America, we locate it. The first Thanksgiving, it's, a, it's part of our uh, national myth. And in 1621, the pilgrims who had come over on the Mayflower uh, celebrated their first harvest and they celebrated it with uh, 90 Indians and 53 pilgrims. And I always thought that that was, you know, uh, an American story, kind of like George Washington chopped down the cherry tree and couldn't tell a lie. And, you know, these sort of wonderful apocryphal stories that aren't really true if you look at them. <laughs> but this one kind of is. It's, it's the pilgrims had come over and they had had a hellacious couple years of sickness and, you know, just getting their footing. And apparently there was some significant amount of time before they even encountered the Indians. And, and so, you know, this, and, and they really did trade. They really did learn from each other and they really did celebrate this harvest, this harvest with a, you know, a, a, a three day celebration actually. And it's interesting to me that it, it helps to illuminate a polarity that you find in how we view our history. And, and it's alive in anthropology. And it's this idea of what's the nature of indigenous people, of people at the archaic and even tribal stages of development. And, you know, there's this story that they are um, happy and that they are healthy and that they are living in a paradise and they're living in harmony with nature. And it turns out that there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, of course, on the other side of the street, there's the story of the nasty, brutish and short that, um, you know, and we know this through forensic anthropology, that uh, death by violence per capita was much higher, multiple times higher than it is in the worst of our communities here uh, in indigenous times. And I think, you know, what, what we can draw from this is that when people meet in a way that is non-competitive, uh, it can go really well. You know, people actually are interested in each other. They want to know, what do you have? What do I have? And as long as there's not a struggle for something that you both want, uh, it can go really well. But that's, of course, not how it continued here with the pilgrims and the Indians. Uh, so 1621, it was, it was good. Uh, 25 years later, it started getting to the point where there were so many English people coming over that there was beginning to be uh, problems. Indian men were banished from Plymouth outside. They were banished to outside the gates. They were felt to be dangerous. And then, of course, by the time um, another 25 years had passed, we had moved into full-on Indian wars in New England that were, in terms of per capita people killed, uh, the highest in American history. Uh, the estimates as to one-tenth of men of fighting age died in those wars. So, you know, it went bad. Uh, and, um, and of course, from an integral perspective, it's inevitable that the settlers would win that war because if, as we look through history, every emerging stage subjugates uh, or eliminates the previous stage. Uh, 
And a post-Bronze Age culture is, you know, it's inevitable that however we slice and dice it and how, how it goes, and it was brutal, that they're ultimately going to win. So anyway, so that brings us to today and all is forgiven. And we have this holiday that is dedicated to this force field of, of gratitude. And that's about it. I, I, my guy, Chuck, always calls Thanksgiving his favorite holiday because you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to do a lot of decorating. You just, you know, generally have a nice dinner with people that you feel close to. And at any rate, it's an opportunity to uh, uh, intentionally practice gratitude and, and to, to sort of tap in uh, intentionally into this force field. And that's, you know, what I'm going to spend the next week doing. I'm going to actually work on this and, and have been even in thinking about it in preparation for this little talk. So anyway, we can work with gratitude at every stage of every level of our own development, of every altitude that we can contact. And I was listening to a video between Eckhart Tolle and Oprah about gratitude. She had him on in this webcast that they did together. And, and he was talking about this force field of gratitude and how, you know, when you are feeling grateful, you, you are just naturally relaxing your self-contraction. You are aerating into the world in a way that you aren't when you're, you know, not feeling gratitude. And um, so what they were focused on was that you can always be grateful, even if everything else has gone wrong. You can always be grateful for you know, the sheer fact of existence. And Oprah was talking about the breath. You know, Oprah's all meditation enlightened and woke. And, of course, Eckhart Tolle um, was just um, focused on the sheer feeling of being and the feeling in your hands and the feeling of the energy of your body and of the energy of the world outside and the energy of other people. And to just notice that at what we would call an egocentric level, this is just the level of your own body and subtle body and energy body and your mind. And so that's always something that one can contact in, 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 a, in, in the way of gratitude. And then there's an ethnocentric stage of development. Uh, and this is where you have a gratitude for the people in your lineage, in uh, your, your parents, the people that you love. There's a lot of research that shows, Dr. Whit, uh, Keith Witt talks about this a lot, that uh, marriages and relationships in general are, the quality of them can be measured in terms of the degree to which individuals feel appreciated by their spouse, valued by their spouse, and acknowledged when they do something nice for their spouse. And, you know, you can feel that in your own relationship. And you can extrapolate that, of course, to any relationship in your life with your kids or with anybody. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, there was a big movement in psychology starting in the, in the mid to late 90s uh, where psychology said to itself, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's not just focus on pathologies. Let's focus on what is it to make a human being happy and, you know, fulfilled. 
And so we had this whole positive psychology move, which is really, you know, been a lot of research and there, a lot of attention paid to that. And there, um, I'm forgetting her name. I had it. It's a, it's a, like a Russian name, but she was a researcher in Russia, in Harvard that wrote a book on happiness. And uh, they did a, a lot of research on what made people self-report as being happy. And there was one thing that was more powerful than anything else that they correlated with. And that is, if you write a letter of gratitude to somebody who has done something to you in your life, for you in your life, a teacher or you know, a policeman or whatever it might be, a friend, and write them a letter about how you are grateful to them and then hand deliver it. And that was the thing that kept people happy for two months or something like that. It was a long time. And it would, it, so I always loved that and have done that to one of my professors at, um, in my college. And it was a very, very powerful experience for him and me. And, you know, I should do it again. Um, of course, a gratitude journal. Oprah is all about the gratitude journal. And, uh, and it's just a matter of writing down what you're grateful for, whether it's a flower or it's somebody, something that somebody did for you. Uh, and it's best not to do it by rote. You know, do it a couple times a week, not necessarily every day. Don't just list things, but list details about a few things. It's better to do that than to do a list of a lot of things. And because, you know, what we're doing is actually feeling. We're intentionally bringing online this reorientation of our subtle body to an airy, more aerated space uh, through gratitude. So, um, so there, that's on sort of the ethnocentric level with um, you know the people in our lives that we love or yeah. So then the nation centric, uh, we can be grateful for a country where we are free, and and that's true for so many people in the developed world, uh, a historic number, and that you know from you know freedom's always sort of dicey on the right wing. We want to be free from control. We don't want the government to be controlling our lives and, you know, uh, monitoring what we say. And, you know, I can do a podcast on why Donald Trump has a very small amygdala and not be hauled away the next day. It's really wonderful. Uh, and then our left wing impulses, we are free from want, you know, in, in a historical way, we're living in a paradise where... You know, are generally, uh, of course, there are little pockets of exceptions, but they prove the rule that our biggest problem with calories is we have too many of them. And that's new in history. And that's something to pause, be grateful for. My goodness, it didn't have to be this way. It may not always be this way. So, you know, and yet we can get caught up. And we talk about this a lot on the Daily Evolver here. We can get caught up in the culture war that, you know, everybody, you know, just just because we're living in a paradise doesn't mean that we can't all be worked up and mad. And that, you know, Donald Trump is driving <laughs> us all around the bend. But even, you know, from our different corners, you know, the left and the right and the progressives and the conservatives and whatever, everybody actually 
is in the game of trying to make a better world for their grandchildren by their lights. You know, we may disagree with their whole thinking, but that is what they're mo motivated by. So we can be grateful for that, actually. And we can be grateful for the fight itself because in a center of gravity modern world, which we live in a world of laws, not men, um, these wars are nonviolent. And that, again, there's exceptions, but they prove the rule that it's better to have a culture war than a war between cultures. And that the other thing that we can be grateful for about the war that we're in, and again, these fights are fruitful, but they're also, in addition to being nonviolent, they're optional. You don't have to participate, not really. And I know people who aren't in a new way and it feels like a liberation for them. And I'm not in the ways I used to. And that feels like a liberation for me. So I think that's actually one thing that we can do this weekend if we want to Thanksgiving uh, is to just opt out <laughs> and um, of the culture wars and, you know, maybe tune out of uh, a lot of the news. Just, you know, keep up with headlines. Nothing's going to get by us. And, you know, particularly this Thanksgiving meal itself. I mean, it's, it's a joke. It's sort of a, a, an ongoing joke with people that, you know, this is where you have to sit down with the people that you wouldn't necessarily have with friends. They're your relatives. And some of them may be uh, sort of on the other side of the spectrum from you. But again, they're just trying to make sense of this crazy world like you are. And we can be more curious and critical. We can drop the project of trying to influence them and turn the tables and be willing to be influenced. You know, these are just try on some of these new things that, you know, represent a dropping of the project <laughs> of trying to fix people and to just love them instead and appreciate them and be grateful for them. So, you know, I love that as a practice and I find it to be very, very fruitful. So, and then we can be grateful in a world-centric way and be grateful that we are living in a world that is uh, in very important ways, waking up and growing up. And that, yes, we have big problems as we evolve from the growth model of modernity to the sustain sustainability model of post-modernity you know, climate change, oceans, all of that good stuff. Uh, but there's also, and we wanna remember this piece too, lest we get bummed, is that there's so much to be grateful for. There's, there's a great raveling going on in the world. There's more people living in peace, having enough to eat, kids being educated. I, I think Bill Gates a week ago announced the end of the first year without a new polio case. And uh, so let's keep in touch with that too. And, you know, will the good outrun the bad over the long run? I think so. But even if I'm wrong, I want to be grateful for the good stuff and, um, and see those trends that, you know, to the degree that we can pull out and see a, you know, 15,000 foot view and a 30,000 foot view, that delivers us into a new stage of gratitude. And that's a cosmos-centric gratitude. 
And that is the gratitude. It sort of goes back to the egocentric where you're just sort of grateful to be alive. And the cosmocentric version of that is I'm just grateful that there's something instead of nothing. You know, it's sort of the first question of philosophy. Why is there something instead of nothing? You know, what was up with this Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago? And what preceded it? And does anything in, you know, the, the whole koan of the awe of a cosmocentric view just comes online. And we can see that there is, you know, a trajectory. There is a teleology, apparently, that, um, you know, things keep complexifying into ever unfolding stages of goodness, truth, and beauty. You know, if we look at the longer term, it's like that um, old joke. How do you get the complete works of Shakespeare? Well, first you take a big mess of hydrogen and then you leave it alone for 13.8 billion years. You know, so there's something going on here. And, you know, we want to be grateful for that, too. So, yeah, so uh, Thanksgiving's coming, and I wish you all a good one, and I would love to hear how it goes. And um, you can always contact me at jeff at dailyevolver.com by email, or you can send me a little voice mem mem a memo through that as well. And um, I love hearing from you, and I love having, you know, good, succinct questions or comments that are suitable for playing on the show. and. Um, so I appreciate that. And, and I appreciate you, Corey. I was and just going to say, man. Integral Life and Integral Live hosting me. And that you have been, uh, you, you made that happen. And thank you, man. Thank you, brother. Absolutely, my friend. I was, I was about to say the exact same thing to you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this presentation today. I mean, seriously, this was, this was beautiful. Well, thank um, you. And I'm just tremendously grateful for your friendship and for uh, having the opportunity to work with you and to play with you and to, and to do this with you. So that's awesome. Hey. man. Yeah. And you know, Thanksgiving, it's funny when I was a kid, Thanksgiving was not my favorite holiday, mostly because of family. And now it's very much my favorite holiday, <laughs> mostly, simple. mostly because of family. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, what do, you, what do you got planned? Uh, we're probably going to do something small. It's probably just going to be the three of us. Uh-huh. Have a nice um, little tofurkey. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> now we go for the real bird. Yeah. We go for the real bird. I do too. Um, yeah. And you know, Thanksgiving is, is, I, I loved how you're talking about the American myth. Um, and this ties, you know, obviously it ties into the show that you did yesterday when you were talking about the American identity. And it's, it's something that I like to talk about a lot too, which is, you know, this concept of, of what's called American exceptionalism. And I think that concept of American exceptionalism is often misinterpreted as meaning like this sort of arrogance that Americans have, this, this feeling of superiority that we have to the rest of the world. And that's, that's at its root, that's really not what American exceptionalism is about. What it, what it means, at least what it means to me, the way I enact the phrase is, um, we are exceptional precisely because America was founded at a time in history 
when the identity at its very core did not have to be based on race, ethnicity, religion, uh, resources. I mean, all of that factored into the American identity, but ours was not, the American identity from the, the very conception of this country was not a, was nothing concrete. It's, it's this symbolic tapestry that weaves all of us together and all of our experiences together. So that to me is what makes America truly exceptional from the majority of other countries in this world is that at, at its very root, our identity is largely symbolic. Yeah. And the American myth, you know, it's sort of like the two halves of the American identity. You have American myth which is sort of the poetry of the American identity. And then you have American history, which is the prose of the, of the American identity. Hmm. Yeah, it's a and, nice formulation. Yeah, well, and, and what I particularly love about Thanksgiving, especially, you know, as an American with our rugged individuality and, you know, all of that, that we're, you know, sort of stereotypically known for, is that this piece of gratitude was there right from the very seed, right? It's one of the first things we learn in elementary school it's you know which is the purpose of the american myth that's what's folding all of these different experiences and all these different people different types of people into a shared understanding and a shared meaning of what america represents and they start you know they start doing it right in first grade with you know tonto to you know uh george washington's wooden teeth i mean a lot of these things don't have a lot of basis in american history but they're tremendously valuable as part of the American myth. Right. I just want to say, just apropos that comment, that that this this is another sort of detail of of, of the original Thanksgiving. That Squanto was an Indian guide, and he was famous. And I remember reading this one of those little bios, like a third grade bio on Squanto as mm -hmm. a kid. And it's making me want to go back and and look more because as I was sort of reviewing th this book that I read a few years ago called Mayflower by Nathan Philbrick, which is about the whole Pilgrim thing. Mm -hmm. Squanto really featured in largely, and 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 he was an Indian who had been kidnapped, then taken to Europe where he was educated, mm -hmm. and then he came back, and and that sort of you see this in history where where there's a, a little. Uh, there's a myth around people like this because they really do come back with a new capacity mm. that is um, anyway, it's, it's sort of a long story, but it turns out that Squanto actually existed and he was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah so, so, yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for the fact that again, gratitude was there from the very beginning and sort of the, you know, the initial seeds that this country grew from, which I think helped, you know, in a lot of ways contain and temper the American sort of swagger <laughs> that we have, mm -hmm. um, the American cockiness. Well, I, I always love what Obama said about American exceptionalism. Of course, nobody remembers this part, but he said every country is exceptional. Yes, we're exceptional and we're exceptional in the ways you just described. Mm -hmm. And you know, this whole new continent and all of that good stuff. But every country feels their own karmic exceptionalism and their Absolutely. own particular flavor of being a human being. And they want that to be added, you know, as, as we, they, we integrate. 
You know, yep. we, is it in an in integral stage of development? We get really curious. We don't want to, you know, change it. We want to appreciate it just for what it is and mm-hmm. be grateful for it. Yep. So it's interesting to see new cultures coming online mm. and, you know, new human creativity coming online and just appreciating it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the big bang continues to bang. Yeah. In, in each one of us. Every, it's still unfolding. Yeah. I mean, that's how the big bangs hap- happening is where each of us are having another moment. That's right. That's right. You know, Jeff, the other thing I'm sort of fascinated by is, is, you know, Thanksgiving is one of these interesting holidays that sort of straddles the line between traditional and secular, you know, and it started from very, from, you know, it was a, it was a Christian, a, a very Christian celebration that was, you know, also enfolding the, the Native American uh, right. uh, tradition and which, which I think is also demonstrative of how powerful and sort of trans traditional gratitude actually is. Oh, totally. Um, but it's one of the few holidays that, when it made that transition from traditional to secular, it's one of the few holidays where sort of the the meaning of the holiday actually was enhanced in that. You know, it's not like Christmas, where Christmas we're like, oh, it's it's a time for materialism, and you know. To make a quick buck and to send out our Black Friday mail. No, it's the baby Jesus. What's that? It's the baby Jesus. Yeah, yeah, right. Don't forget the baby Jesus. (laughs) Can never forget baby Jesus. Yes, but you're right. Baby Jesus has been sublimated to uh, commercial interests. Yeah, so much of it gets lost in that in that secularization. Whereas with 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 Thanksgiving, I feel like it actually deepens because it makes it make it's such a simple holiday and it makes gratitude its centerpiece that whether you're religious or not, you can participate in this practice. And as you were saying earlier, and especially this year, this year of all years, when our anxieties and our tensions and our stresses are at like a record high uh, for, for a lot of us anyway, gratitude is the panacea. Right. I mean, you know, we live in, in an era that can be very frustrating because there's at once way too much cynicism and not nearly enough critical thinking that is and the combination of those two makes it makes makes negativity very tempting. Yeah. Well, criticism, I mean, the op- opposite of criticism is gratitude in That's a right. sense, you know, in a certain sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think you can do both. Yep. And you want to do both, That's but, right. but we're, we're not programmed for the gratitude. The gratitude is swimming upstream for us a little bit. We have, it, is. it doesn't come naturally because it's not necessarily that evolutionarily potent on the sort of physical stages of development, you know, mm-hmm. wanting more, getting more, getting away from danger, that sort of thing. That's what's really potent there. Gratitude starts coming online in more of a subtle and causal way. Mm. Or, you know, you can be grateful to the spirits at every stage or God, but this sort of general uh, gratitude to the moment, that's, uh, that's a higher uh, activity. Yeah, well, it, it requires empathy and it requires, which itself requires the capacity to take a perspective. Yeah. which comes a little more easily for some people than the others. But that's exactly the power of the practice. And, you know, the, the other thing of it, too, is, and I love how you went through sort of egocentric, ethnocentric, world-centric, cosmocentric layers of gratitude, because it's the other, the other you know, great thing about a practice of gratitude is it allows you to sort of suss out where your points of resistance are, right? 
as you're as you're practicing gratitude, you'll almost assuredly notice that that gratitude is a lot easier to apply to some things than it is to other. <laughs> right. So as you're, you know, sort of rippling your gratitude out, just sort of get a sense of where something might be stuck, where you feel that, you know, warmth kind of routing around rather than penetrating. I mean, for example, can you be grateful for Donald Trump? I can find ways to be grateful for Donald Trump. You had to go to the hard one right away, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, well, I can be grateful for some of the positive outcomes of, of his um, tenure so far. Uh, I could do that. <laughs> Good enough. It's, <laughs> it, it's better than a reflexive just repulsion and disgust, which is sort of my starting point every morning. Well, you know, and my, my gratitude for Donald Trump gets a lot easier for me to extend once I start f- trying to consciously empathize with Donald Trump's formative years. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And the minute I see sort of the, the, the insane amount of pressure and, you know, possible, I mean, you, you, my sense is that Donald Trump's parents would not have fit in very well here in Boulder, Colorado. I'll just, you know, I guess put it that way. Um, and, you know, and that turned Donald Trump into the, the person that he is. And it's, it's, it's just interesting that when I visualize Donald Trump, the nine-year-old boy, it's, it's a lot easier for me to be empathetic and mm. for me to extend my gratitude for his existence. Oh, well, that's, I think you're, you're calling on your dad energy. That could be. Yeah. I mean, that's sweet. And, and it's true. And, and, you know, we did the thing, I think it was the very first one of these daily shows we did was talking about the research in people who lack empathy. And these children who, uh, they used to be called psychopathic. Now they have an empathy disorder and there's a whole spectrum. And um, the, the, Donald Trump is textbook. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, they have a upper right uh, corollary. And that is they have, tend to have a very small amygdala. Right. And, um, and so, it, you know, that uh, actually helps me to look at Donald Trump and have, uh, I don't know if gratitude, but at least it's sympathy. And not, yeah. you know, not seeing him as, a, as another so yep. much. Well, especially if you can empathize with how much that fact in the upper right quadrant must limit his experience. Yeah, it's, a, it's a disability. In the upper left. That's right. There's, it's there's, a per- pernicious disability. Yeah. But um, nevertheless. That's right. Uh, so, um, yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a good practice. It's the, uh, if we define practice as the, as the thing we do to be faithful, not necessarily successful. That's right. That's yes, right. And, and it's, you know. And I will be grateful for Donald Trump. Yeah. And I will be, <laughs> I will be grateful when Weller brings him down. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> so it's almost, that's the other thing that makes me, makes it easier for me to be grateful for Donald Trump when I then transition into, well, I'm also grateful for Mueller. For, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, are we complete, perfect, and whole? You know it. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Corey. And yeah, thank you. Much love to you and Angie and little Evelyn. And well, thanks, brother. I'm trying and, to you know, one, one, one final word. I, I, I'm grateful for everyone who's watching right now. Yeah. I'm grateful for uh, everyone who is part of the Integral Project and is working in their own way to 
expand this beautiful thing that we're doing together and to carry it within your, you know, your own sphere of influence and to try every single day to live up to whatever this means to you to, uh, you know, continuously try to wake up, to grow up, to clean up and to show up. Um, Lord knows it ain't easy. Uh, Lord knows we, you know, all of us fail every single day and all of us are likely grateful for the opportunity to try. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, everybody. So we'll see you the week Monday after next. That's right. Thanks folks. Bye guys. 